Good morning. There we go. Great. I feel like a Sam's Club chicken up here with the lights on me. <laughs> Bright lights. It's a little warm up here. It's a little warm up here. But that's good. It's good. I heard it's cold out there with the air conditioning, so I hope that helps those of you to stay awake here this morning. So um, I want to start with a story. Um, most of us like a good story. This story is about a 16-year-old young woman named Sybil Ludington. Um, many of you may not know her, um, but she is a story of boldness and the impact she had on American history. On the night of April 26, 1777, Sybil rode nearly 40 miles to warn some 400 militiamen that the British troops were coming. Who does that sound like? Paul Revere, exactly. Much like the ride of Paul Revere, Ludington's message helped the Patriot leaders prepare for battle, but Ludington was less than half of Paul Revere's age and rode more than twice as far to carry her warning to the militiamen. The daughter of a militia leader, Colonel Henry Ludington, Sybil leaped into action on that fateful day in 1777 when a rider came to Ludington's house in Dutchess County, New York, to warn them about a British attack on nearby Danbury, Connecticut. With Colonel Ludington's men on leave and the messenger too tired to continue, it was up to Sybil who rode through the night, gathering almost the whole regiment by daybreak. And as a result of that, they won the battle. Now, we see here, Ludington's tribute has been of a somewhat of a, a smaller scale. She received an honor of a postal stamp in 1975, but it was said that Ludington even received an appreciation from a grateful general named George Washington himself, who came to visit her in her home and say thank you. Now, Sybil was bold in her thoughts, her words, and her actions in a way that impacted American history. Today, we will learn, like, just like Sybil, through the power of God's Holy Spirit, we too can be bold in our thoughts, words, and actions in a way that can positively impact those around us and be used as a marked difference in their lives. Now we're continuing our series on about the Holy Sermon series about the Holy Spirit. Um, hang tight. I'm going to give you kind of a quick, you know, it's almost like if you guys watch a show and you haven't caught up yet and you're like, okay, where, where have we been? So I'm going to give you where we've been. Hang, hold on for the ride a little bit here. Pastor Brian kicked off the sermon series several weeks back, tracing how the Holy Spirit was promised in the Old Testament, and then how Jesus came in, in the New Testament and gave us the Holy Spirit, and we learned in faith that we received the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That was kind of week one. Week two, Brian went on to talk about this unseen but very, very real Holy Spirit. He shared the identity of the Holy Spirit as being one of the members of the Holy Trinity. He described how the Holy Spirit is fully God, it is ever-present, all-knowing, all-powerful. But he also shared with us how the Holy Spirit is like a person with a mind and a will and emotion who invites us to connect with him. We moved on to week three. Pastor Brian shared with us what it means to be born of the Holy Spirit and how it's necessary for all of us to be born again and how when that happens, we become aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in our hearts. And we listen to the words that he brings to our mind, and it's an act of faith in how he works with God's word together. Week four, Pastor Brian shared with us how we connect with God through the Holy Spirit. How the Holy Spirit's intended to be as we got, read God's word, he brings things to light. As we pray, he gives us ideas and things to pray. And even as we worshiped here a few minutes ago, both corporately or privately, he's the one who just draws us to God. Week five, Pastor Brian told us that the Holy Spirit has the power to change our lives. We learn how the Holy Spirit gives us power that frees us from the acts of the flesh, those things that just are destructive for ourselves and others and more importantly, gives us fruits of the Spirit, those things that build each other up. And then last week, Pastor Brian shared how all of us as believers are given unique gifts from the Holy Spirit. We learned how each of us have at least one or more spiritual gifts that we're intended to use where we live, where we work, where we play. 
and also to serve here in our community of faith. Quite a, quite a, quite a journey we've been on with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> a lot of great things, Pastor. I appreciate that. Now, today, I'm going to be sharing from Acts chapter 4 about what's called the boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit. And our big idea for today is that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to be bold in our thoughts, words, and actions. And when we do that, when we learn how to be bold in those ways, we're going to be positively impacting those around us. And the next week, Pastor Brian's going to wrap up the series sharing from Ephesians chapter 5, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to learn what it looks like in our everyday lives. Don't miss out. So I ask that you just turn with me now in your Bible, your Bible app, to the book of Acts chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 31. I'm going to read through the verse 35. This is our core text for today. So starting in verse 31, it says, And they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the, wo they spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were in one heart, one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put them at the apostles' feet, and, they were and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, before we kind of unpack these verses that we see in Acts chapter 4, there's actually a story before the story. And that is where the Holy Spirit started. And I want to spring us back to that in Acts chapter 1. There's four verses there I want to highlight, and then we'll come back to these sections in Acts chapter 4, because it sets the stage. So reading in Acts chapter 4, verses 4 through 8, it says, On one occasion, while he, meaning Jesus, was eating with them, he, Jesus, gave them this command, Don't, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you, going at this are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the time or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said that, he was taken up for their every eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So this boldness that we're talking about here today starts here in Acts chapter 1. We see that this power is from the Holy Spirit and it indwells us. And why does it indwell us? He says it right in this passage. It says so that we will receive power so we will be witnesses. We will be people who tell Jesus' story. Here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this power refers to the power of Jesus inside of us. And as mentioned earlier, it affects the way that we think, the way that we talk, and the way that we act. Now, ironically, we see this same word power referred to later in the book of Acts when it talks about Peter. And then Peter talks about in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So we have Jesus saying, look, I'm going to give to all of the apostles and then to all of us this same power that I had to do great things. And Paul is the one who also makes mention of this power. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, he says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of what? The Spirit's power. Again, it's the Spirit who has the power to heal. It is the Spirit who has the power to convince and persuade people. It's God's Spirit when it's at work inside of our words and our thoughts and our actions that persuades people. So now let's turn back to our main passage here for today. 
Acts chapter 4, we see in verse 31 how they prayed. The place they were meeting when was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And why? So they would speak the word of God boldly. Now, this boldness that they're talking about was actually something that was in the moment. They had an encounter that was coming up that they were going to experience. So this was basically a result of speaking the word boldly. So what I want to say, this first type of boldness is God gives us boldness in the moment. It's the boldness we need when we have an encounter with somebody, typically that we know is going to happen in advance. Now, how many of you, when you know you're going to meet with somebody in advance, um, it could be with your boss, it could be with your family, it could be with a friend, um, get anxious? Does any of us get anxious once in a while? Because because we don't know how it's going to turn out, right? And in fact, it's a lot of times it's like, we ask, like, sometimes I'll talk to my wife and I'll say, oh, you know, do you, do you want the good news or the bad news? She's like, no, no, just what, what is it? What is it you're trying to, so we want to know ahead of time, is it going to be a good thing or a bad thing? What are we going to experience as we have that encounter with somebody? So here, there's a boldness here that the Holy Spirit gives us as we have these encounters that we're ready to receive whatever it's going to be. That we're going to be able to talk about the story of Jesus and spiritual things with this person and not necessarily worry about how it's going to all play out. And the reason why that happens is, is that this boldness that we get from the Holy Spirit is one that gives us confidence, okay, and conviction in a given circumstance that affects the person that we're talking to. So when I talk about this confidence, it's a sense of being resolved. Did you ever have a conversation with somebody, you, you just don't sense that they're really going to budge. You know, you, you're like, they're really set in their position. So here it's this conviction that we have around the story of Jesus and how true it is and how right and how it affects us that we have when we have these encounters. And then we talk about the word boldness. It's also a sense of seriousness. Seriousness that when you're going to talk to somebody, they're going to remember what you say. So you ever kind of come up to somebody you want to talk to and he's like, look, I, this is kind of a serious thing I want to talk to you about. And it changes the dynamic of that conversation. And the last thing is just this sense of conviction. The sense of conviction means that you're open and candid about what you know to be true. Going into that encounter, you want to be transparent about what's really real. So this is the type of encounter the apostles were having. They were given various these divine encounters, and God orchestrated these intersections with these last few special circumstances. And in these moments, they shared the message of Jesus with confidence and conviction in a way that just affected the people that they talked to. Now, what's interesting about the story that they told the story that they told is, I don't know if you've ever met somebody and they start telling you a story and you start wondering how true it is. Anybody ever wonder about that? You heard about the fish story, right? And so it kind of goes like this. Or they say, oh, you know, I was, you know, there's a bit of embellishment to that. Or they maybe expand on it. Oh, yeah, I had this thing that happened to me. And then they tell you these other things. And you're thinking, that, that just really can't be true, all those things. I don't know. Or they exaggerate it to make it more interesting, right? Like, oh, I was waiting in line and at, the, at, the, at the store, and then the, you know, the register tape ran out, and then the second register tape ran out, third register, you're like, there's no way. Like, here, when they're telling the story, it is a remarkable story that Jesus came to live, die, and be raised again from the dead. That was remarkable. But it wasn't a story they needed to embellish for people to believe it. It wasn't a story they needed to expand on to make it more compelling. And it wasn't a story they needed to exaggerate to make it more impactful to the listener. The story itself stood on its own. It was a powerful story about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, being raised from the dead to demonstrate his power over death. Across history, there have been many people who have, are not so enamored by this powerful story. People that think that these so-called eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection were, were kind of contrived, they created some false reports, kind of be able to propagate their own view. This was clearly not the case for these initial followers of Jesus, 
Because if you begin to read the rest of their story in the book of Acts and some of the epistles, you see that almost all of them ended up dying for the story. It would have been much easier for them to recant the story, retract it, bring it back to a right size, because that would have spared their lives. But almost all of them died a martyr's death. So this was a story that was not only convincing to them that they had confidence in, but something they were willing to give their lives for. That's the kind of story we're talking about. Back then, many people here today, unfortunately, they do believe that there was a historical person named Jesus, but they're skeptical about this story of Jesus' virgin birth, his miracles, his death, and of course, and definitely this bodily resurrection. However, we see earlier in Acts chapter 4 how the apostles were boldly proclaiming the story of Jesus and his death and resurrection to thousands of people who were heard and their minds were transformed and their lives were transformed and they began to follow him. And now here we see in Acts chapter 4 verse 31 how they were filled again with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Now this does remind me about this graffiti artist I saw. He was spraying a police station in very thick font. Now that's bold. That's not the kind of boldness I'm talking about here. Just seeing those of you who are awake here, okay? The boldness I'm talking about here is where there's a power inside of us that provides us with a sense of just clarity to be able to tell the story about Jesus to people whose lives are transformed, just like we saw here in the scriptures. Ironically, several years later, the Apostle Paul talks about his own experience with this type of filling of the Holy Spirit. We see this in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in change, and pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So here you'll see fearlessly twice. That word fearlessly is also translated boldly. So Paul, an apostle who had this great experience encountering Jesus, he too later on in his life still feels the need for boldness. He needs people to pray for him to be bold. So it's natural for us to realize that we need that. Now this fearlessness is translated bold. Paul is also seeking the other believers to pray for him. Now as these moments of boldness come on of us, they're typically in special circumstances or certain circumstances that we have to step out in faith despite maybe what might happen. So I just ask you to look back over this past week, over this past month, is there a time where you were going to meet with somebody that you asked someone here in our community of faith to pray for you about that? Pray that you would have the words to say. Pray that you would be received well. Pray that you would be emboldened by the Holy Spirit to step out in faith and provide that measure that you needed in that encounter. If you haven't had that opportunity to do that, I pray this next week, Think about maybe an encounter that's coming up, somebody you know you're going to meet with that may have an opportunity for you to share and ask someone here to pray for you. When we do this, when we say these things, it makes a positive impact to those around us and a marked difference in their lives. I had a situation come up where I knew I was at my workplace where I knew I was going to have an opportunity to connect with somebody and I asked somebody to pray for me. And that opportunity came up, we had an opportunity to talk and, this, and basically I was able to share about some things about who Jesus was and what he did for me. And it was just something that was very special to me. So the Holy Spirit can make us bold in those special moments. Um, but I just want to make one little anecdote. Um, I don't want people to misunderstand something. So as we have these encounters, sometimes we pray for boldness and then kind of, I don't want to use the word chicken out, but like we don't follow through, okay? So what I want you to be reminded of is that God 
has a grand plan for everyone's life. And he will still, even when we are not bold, he will still work in that person's life to connect him to them, to connect them to him. He is sovereign. What happens is we just missed out on that opportunity. God was able to use us as an instrument in that moment. So it's more about missing out rather than that person ever kind of, you just missed it now, they're, they're gone for eternity, okay? So I don't want any of us ever to feel that pressure. God has a grand plan. He just has an opportunity to, to have us be part of it. So let's continue our passage. We're going to look to the first part of verse 33, and it describes the great power that filled them that resulted in them testifying to the resurrection of Jesus. And this is what I refer to as boldness in everyday living. We read in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, in that first part of 33, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of the possessions were, was their own. They shared everything they had, and it says, with great power. It's also translated, with great boldness. The apostles continued to what? Testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They continued to tell the story. And this was more of a, of a, a almost like a continuous tense here where this is something they did with regularity in their everyday lives. Now this great power that shows up as boldness was not some sort of charisma or an errant outgoing personality. I think when you hear the word bold, sometimes you think of somebody who has a bold personality. That's not what is referred to here at all. This is about an inner strength, okay, that goes on, that gives us a sense of being able to overcome fear and danger and overcome concern about rejection. So this has nothing to do with the personality God gave you. This has more to do with the power he gives you inside. So this is a boldness that's willing to take action, share the story regardless of the outcome of a conversation. And it reminds me of this rather bold robber who broke into the local police department and stole all of their toilets. The police report that they have nothing to go on. <laughs> this is not the boldness I'm talking about. Okay, Thank you that we're waking up people here a few times. Okay, So the boldness here is saying or doing something in a fearless way. It is saying or do something without holding anything back. Did you ever hear somebody come and say, look, I, I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to hold back. It's a, it's a state of mind where our faith in God supersedes the fear we have of people and what they may think of us or do to us. It's in that same boldness to read later in the book of Acts in chapter 28, verse 31, where Paul says that he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. It's not holding back anything as we tell the story. Now the reality is, I know in my own life, I sometimes value safety and security over missing out on an opportunity that God may have for me. I may be like, not so sure I want to really step out um, and be used by him, but I'm more interested in just maybe being liked or being appreciated. Here, what we see is the power that God gave these early apostles to continue to testify about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was one that's the way that they lived their lives. Now, what you'll see is how did they pray for? They prayed for God's power. They didn't pray for God's protection. And we have to say, how do we pray in the relationships that we have? Do we pray that God will give us power for the, the way that we interact with people on a regular basis, or do we pray that more God protects the things that we already have? Our prayers give us a window in terms of the level of boldness that we have. And many of us are not bold because we fear people and what they may think of us. But it's not because that we, I guess, it's not the fear of people that is really the cause of that. What I believe it is, it's really a lack of depth of our knowledge of who God is. The more we get to know God, we're able to increase our faith in Him. We're able to appreciate Him. 
And as we get to know him in a deeper way and how great he is, we're able to think more wonderfully about him and then the way that we think about people may stay the same, but it changes in terms of its ratio or perspective. So it's not always that the fear of people needs to get smaller, it's that the greatness and appreciation of God needs to get bigger. Let me describe a little bit how that plays out in my own life. I know for myself, when I spend time with God in the morning and able to kind of get my mindset on Him, it allows me to then be able to interact with people in a way where their bigness is not as big as my, the bigness of God in my life. So it might be helpful for us to do a little check here. Now you might be familiar with this pain scale, but I'm going to convert this and call this a fear scale. And I want us, then we're not going to raise hands or tell the person next to you. Sometimes I do those in my messages. This is more of a private thing. But I just want you to think about in your life, on this fear scale, where do the fears of what others think about you fall? In terms of the, if you would talk to them. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the most and 1 being the least, how much do you fear what others may think of you? If you're finding yourself maybe mildly uncomfortable to consider what they think, you're probably in that 1 to 3 range there. What others think about you may be distracting, but it's not severely impacting the way that you think and talk and act. Moving up the scale, if you're constantly thinking about what others may be thinking, so are you thinking a lot about what others are thinking about you, both do, before, during, or after you say something, you're probably in that moderate to severe four to six range, right? Where it's actually limited to you at times from saying something or doing something you normally would do with someone, particularly as it relates to spiritual things. And then other of you may think that basically you, you can't even begin to think about saying something or doing something about Jesus and you're at the top of the range, it's seven to nine. This range, basically, you even maybe even have some, you start to cry about it, maybe you've got some GI issues, or you just feel completely overwhelmed to think about talking about Jesus to anybody. That's more the very severe area, okay? So this is more, rather than a pain scale, think of this as a fear scale. And God did not give us a, a spirit of fear or timidity, but he gave us a spirit of power. So let's ask God to slide our fears down this scale and increase our boldness with him in our everyday living. I just want to highlight two scriptures that help us out in this area. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. I mean, catch you. It will, it will capture you. But whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. And then as we look to the New Testament, as I was mentioning this verse, and I, and I hinted at it, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, it says, for the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Now, we're encouraged here not to be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Instead, we're given a boldness to testify about him in life situations where we'd normally be a little fearful or timid. We have this boldness from the Holy Spirit that results in us being regularly outspoken about the identity and significance of Jesus in our lives. Just like these apostles in Acts chapter 4, we too can boldly testify about Jesus, his resurrection, what it means for us. We have the opportunity in our confusing culture to speak with clarity about what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he did. Just think about the people like you run into where you work, maybe where you work out, where you grocery shop, whatever. And if you were going to ask them the question of who Jesus is, what kind of answer do you think you might get? We have an opportunity to add clarity to that very confusing state of our culture right now. We're able to live a life that God has intended us to be able to speak into other people's lives. 
Now, we can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's him living in us that keeps us regularly connected to God to be able to talk about him. And Pastor Brian is going to talk a little more about this next week when he talks about what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Courageously following those leadings and to move outside what's safe and comfortable in the way that we interact. But boldness in our everyday living today is just being transparent about who we are and what Jesus has done for us. We can be boldness, we can be bold by the way that we're vulnerable about what's real in our lives. We can be bold by being those people who can count on to be speaking up about something when it's not quite right. Boldness in everyday living is where we represent Jesus in the ways that we speak and act. It's sometimes referred to as keeping in step with the Spirit. Paul describes us as ambassadors, and we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are ambassadors. It's a long passage here, but what I want to highlight is Christ's ambassadors as if God was making an appeal through us. So God designed his message to go out through us with boldness. Does how we speak and act reflect the power and boldness that we've been given by God's Spirit? That's what we want to ask ourselves. Now, as we turn to the last section of this passage, verses 33, 34, and 35, the second part of 33, 34, 35, we see how they describe a way that God's grace was powerfully at work with them, that there was no needy persons among them. That's crazy. This is what I refer to as boldness and generous sharing. And I'll read in verse 33, then the remainder says, And God's grace was so powerfully at work among them that there was no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, I can tell you in my life, when a buffet happens, I'm at the front of the line, okay? <laughs> okay? So I'm not waiting for others to make sure that all their needs are met. Um, that's the way I've been designed. So like for me, God's Holy Spirit has to act in a bold way for me to live in an other-centered way. Here we see the apostles were so powerful, God's Spirit was so powerfully at work among them that their time and their possessions were just given over to others. Now what's great, those of you who are familiar with the story, I'm going to give a little snippets of what follows next. The last two verses that follow this are about a guy named Barnabas. We're going to read those if you put those up. And God's grace, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Example number one. Then we're going to move to chapter five, the first two verses, and we get to see the contrast. Now there was a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira. Also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself but brought the rest of it and put it at the apostles' feet. Here we have two stories that contrast this idea of generous sharing. Barnabas became aware of a need, followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit to share what he had for the needs of others. He was known about this, and in fact, he was given the name kind of encouragement and got a nickname. Um, how many of you have nicknames? You can raise your hand. Nicknames, okay? How many of your nicknames really get associated with generosity? Okay, very few. Okay, okay. Um, I mentioned the buffet. I had a, at one point in time, I had a nickname horse because I could eat like a horse. Um, but anyway, Barnabas had the nickname encouragement, and that's because the Holy Spirit was so boldly bold, working boldly in his life that he was willing to generously share. Now, ironically, there's, I want us to just think of a second for our families. All of us have extended families, and our extended families, I want you to think about the most generous person in your extended family right now. I want you to think about the person you know that is the most generous with their time and money. And if you are sitting next to somebody, I'd like you just whisper that person's name to the other person. 
most generous person that you know in your extended family. Okay? Now, that's the Barnabas. Now let's go to the Ananias and Sapphira. That, I, uh, now I'm going to ask you, who is the most stingiest person with their time and money in your extended family? I think people are saying this one quicker. Okay? Who is the most stingy person in your extended family? Okay? Stingy person, extended family. Okay? Now I want to tell you the story about a lady named Cousin Marie. We're not going to talk about the stingiest person in my family because this is re being recorded. But I will talk about the most generous one, Cousin Marie. Now, Cousin Marie, I don't even know if she's mom. She, she, I don't even think she's really my cousin, right? My mom's here today. She's not even, that's like, we kind of brought her. She was like, connect, like a second cousin removed or whatever. But Cousin Marie, like, she, she would invite everyone. You want to go out to dinner? Everyone come. And it's one of those things, you know, when you're taught, like, oh, you should order something inexpensive off the menu if someone else is paying. Cousin Marie was like, ignore those instructions from your parents. You want an appetizer, you want a drink, you want dessert, you want the most expensive thing in the menu, you just go and you get that. Okay, so we would go out to a diner or we'd go out to a restaurant. Cousin Marie would just tell you just everything. She was just free with her time and her money, and that's just the way that she was. So there's a generosity here that God is using among the community of faith that demonstrates that when you've been forgiven and when you see the power of the resurrection in your life, that you don't hold on to things that you used to before. So not only are you freely giving the message of Jesus, but you're also free with your time and your possessions because you know that God is big and he will take care of you in a big way. So Ananias and Sapphira became aware of that same need. Instead, they didn't follow the prompting. They allowed Satan to fill their hearts. They lied to the Holy Spirit, and they kept a portion of that. So these two stories of Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira give us examples that you can read more about this next week. I encourage you to read all of Acts chapter 4 and all of Acts chapter 5 as some of your devotions this week. A lot of things to glean from them. So how do we become aware of people's needs around us? Pastor Brian often refers to these moments as having our radars up, to be able to recognize and then have the boldness to follow through the prompting of the Holy Spirit to be aware of others and their needs. And the scriptures give us some good, good instruction in this area. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So again, radar up, aware of opportunities, be generous with what we have. And we hear the same thing in Hebrews 13, 16. It says, Do not forget to do good and to share with others for such sacrifices God is pleased. Now ironically, to be able to be aware of people's needs, we have to do something that's not very common in our culture. And that is slow down. Slow down and notice people. Slow down and maybe be interrupted. So I'm not going to go into it. Many of you are familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. He was making a beeline somewhere and along the way he had to slow down and notice somebody. And then he had to disrupt his day to be able to care for somebody and give of his resources for that person. I know for me, I'm obsessed with speed and efficiency. I, I'm rewarded for that in my job. I enjoy that in my home. So this idea of slowing down and being aware of people and their needs is not something that comes naturally for me. It comes supernaturally when I am submitted to the, to the Holy Spirit and the way that he wants me to live. And so Henry Nguyen was one of the authors I enjoy, and he has a nice quote here. He says, you know, my whole life I've been complaining that my work was constantly interrupted. 
until I discovered that my interruptions were my work. Interruptions as ministry is a weird way to think of things. In our own lives, that doesn't mean that we need to be distracted by every scroll that gets our attention. Okay? This is different than focus. Okay? That God is honored through focus, but he's also honored through us being aware of people and their needs. So, and I think as we look at two verses that talk about how Jesus lived his life, it gives us an in inspiration and a kind of an example of that. So Mark 10, 45, Jesus describes himself where he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. What more bold is than that? And then the last one, Jesus tells a story. He says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. So as we think of these boldness things that we talked about here today in Acts chapter 4, we see that in the apostles, we see that in the way that Jesus lived his life. Boldness is more than just riding one's horse around and rallying a bunch of people to a cause. Boldness is simply choosing to act and speak in a way that points others to the love of God, the joy of a new life in Christ, no matter what the outcome. So we just need to pray today that God will give us boldness in the moment, boldness in our everyday living, and boldness in generous sharing. Through the Holy Spirit, we can be bold in our generous sharing of our resources in ways that positively impact those around us and can be used to make a marked difference. Let's pray. Dear Lord, please empower us with boldness and sensitivity from your Holy Spirit so that we can effectively and fearlessly share about you with those who are friends and family as well as those you bring into our lives. In your name, amen.